May the words of my mouth and all those who preach and teach on this day be acceptable in thy sight. And may the meditation of hearts here this morning and all over this world on the Sunday of the Palms, may those meditations be acceptable in your sight. May your spirit come during this holy week. May your spirit come and set aflame the hearts of your people. In our Savior's name, amen. There are three texts on Palm Sunday. The general theme is this question, where does Jesus dwell? Where does Jesus live? Where does he dwell? I want to read first Matthew 8.20. A man came to him, teacher of the law, one of his enemies. He pulled Jesus aside. He didn't want anyone to see what he was talking with Jesus about. And the teacher of the law, his enemy, said to him, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. Why would he turn a turncoat against the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law? These four groups were after Jesus. They wanted him dead. Why would this one man turn against them and whisper to Jesus, I want to become your follower. The answer is found in the previous verse. The evening before, Jesus had spent hours healing the sick and casting out demons. To the north, to the south, to the east, to the west they came. I don't know how many patients he had in those six hours. I don't know if he healed 50 people or 100 people or 200 people. But it was every illness, as you can imagine, that was brought to him. As he said to the disciples of John the Baptist, you go back and tell them that the deaf hear and the blind see and the crippled walk. And after the teacher of the law saw this power coming out of this man, he said, I'm going to hook my cart to this wagon. I'm going to become one of his disciples. Because, as Nicodemus said to him the night before he died, no man can do these miracles unless they have the power of God. Teacher of the law said, if I become his follower, I will reign with him in this earthly kingdom. And no one will be able to come against us. Jesus knew the man's thoughts. And he said one word to this teacher of the law. He probably chuckled when he said it. He said to him, The foxes have holes that they live in. And sir, the birds of the nest have places where they abide. But the Son of Man, the one that you want to follow, he has no place to lay his head. Where does Jesus dwell? I don't care which theologian you decide to Google about this particular verse. Every theologian will tell you the same thing. This verse indicates one thing and one thing only. He was homeless. Not only was his kingdom not of this earth, neither was his home. His home was up in heaven. For 30 years he had lived with Mary and Joseph. And now that his ministry begins, he has no place to lay his head. You are not surprised 
When it's time for him to go in into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, he doesn't even own a mule and a donkey. I don't care how poor you were, you had a mule or a donkey, not Jesus. He says to two of his disciples, go to Bethphage. There's going to be a donkey there and there's going to be the donkey's baby, a foal, the colt of the donkey. I want you to go and take those two animals. And if anyone asks you, why are you taking these animals? You tell them the teacher has need of them. And you tell them that the teacher said, I'm going to use them and I'm going to return them. I always have supposed that Jesus had healed some relative of this man, maybe a son or a daughter, maybe his wife, maybe the man himself. And this man, after being healed by Jesus, said to him, My goodness gracious, Jesus, if I can ever do anything for you, let me know what I can do for you. And now Jesus was calling forth a favor. Go and get the two animals, bring them to me. He rides the colt into the city. And behind the colt is the mother of that donkey. He didn't even own a beast of burden. He's traveling continually between Galilee, going through Samaria. Here's Jerusalem, 70 miles there, 70 miles back. And he owns no animal. That's how poor he was. And when it comes to this week... And you're here on Monday, Thursday, and we're reading the story about the first communion there in the upper room. Jesus doesn't even have a place of rent in Jerusalem. He doesn't have a studio apartment. He doesn't have anything. He says to two disciples, go into the city. You'll see a man carrying water. Follow that man to this house. And then when you come to that house, say to the owner of the house, Do you have Jesus' guest room prepared? As if Jesus had stayed there fairly often. Do you have his guest room prepared? Where does Jesus dwell? He's homeless. John 1 verse 38 is the second text. The disciples of John the Baptist said to Jesus, Where do you dwell? Jesus said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he abode, and they dwelt with him. And you sit and say, Pastor, it's contradicting itself. Because Jesus says to them, Come and see where I'm staying. If you look at that verse and that which comes after, you realize that they stayed with Jesus for eight to ten hours. And then they were dismissed, and where Jesus was staying was the home of some friend. Because the very next day he is off up to Galilee, ready to preach and teach up there. Where does Jesus dwell? Nowhere that your eyes can see. I say it again, if his kingdom was not of this world, the place where he abode was not of this world. During the 33 years that he lived on this earth, I'm going to tell you where he dwelt. It is in Psalm 91, verse 1. It says this, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God, he who dwells in the presence of the Most High God, 
He that abides in the shadow, he that walks in the shadow of the Almighty God shall say of the Lord, He is my fortress and my strength. Where does Jesus dwell? For 33 years his feet are planted on this earth. But for 33 years, including the time he's hanging on that cross, he dwells in the presence of the Most High God. He walks in the shadow of Almighty God. And he says of his Father, He is my fortress. He is my fortress. When the settlers came out to the west and they built communities, the military would come in if there are enough people in a community. And they would build a fort outside of that community. Why would they build a fort? So that if those settlers were attacked, they could run into the fort and they would be safe. If you abide in the presence of Almighty God, if you walk in the shadow of the Almighty God, He is your fortress. You now have to run to Him because if you're living in His presence, He is with you always. And if you're walking in His shadow, He is with you always. He is your fortress. There are some people who visit the presence of God. Some blessing comes to them. They've tried to get pregnant for seven, eight, nine years, and and God grants them that blessing. They come running into his presence, and they say, Thank you, God. I'll never forget. This has come from you. You have a man employed. He's got a very evil boss. you got a lady employed, a very evil boss. But they're trying to raise a family and they can't give up this job. And when they wake up in the morning, they have a knot in their stomach because they know what they're going to have to face. Well, there's nothing they can do about it. They pray continually to God. And either that boss leaves or he has a change of heart or they get a different job. And they know who has brought it to them. And they run into the presence of God and they say, thank you, God, for this gift. You have a young man this time of year, he's applied to some college where his parents went. And all he's ever wanted to do is go to that same college where his mom and dad went. And he received a month ago a letter of acceptance from that college. And because of what his parents said to him, he understood that this gift came from God. And he runs into God's presence and he thanks him. And then we go on with our life, do we not? We know that God moment came from him, but then after a week or so, we go on with our life. It's forgotten. You pray for an adoption. You pray for years for an adoption. And all of a sudden, through the hills and the valleys of the whole process, all of a sudden, that adoption is going to happen. It's right around the corner. And you know when you say it all the time, This has come from God. You know it. You are in his presence. You have some illness that comes upon you. It's not a blessing, it's an illness, but guess where you are? You are in the presence of God. 
because you know either have been brought been brought up in a church the roots were there they were formed you know who to go to in time of need david says it all the time in his psalms you know who to go to in your time of need you run into his presence Lord, make this cancer go away. Lord, when they do the chemo and they do some CAT scan three months now, make the chemo effective. Lord, give me more time on this earth. When you have some need, financial, physical, children, addictions, when you have some need, you run into his presence. How long does it last? How long does it last? And all of a sudden, you're out there, life as usual. So many times when a tragedy occurs in a person's life, they come back to church, haven't been there in years, they come back to church. After two or three months, you begin to notice they're not there as often. And after a couple of more months, you don't see them anymore. When it says in Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwells, It means to pitch your tent there. He that pitches his tent in the presence of Almighty God. And he who walks in the shadow of Almighty God. He shall say of that God, he is my fortress. We're not talking about paying a visit. We're not talking about paying a visit. When my mom and dad were alive, they lived down in Dallas, Texas. If I was lucky, I would pay a visit once a year to them. I'd stay for four or five days. And then I'd have to come back home. Not talking about paying a visit. I'm talking about what it says. Dwells, pitches one's tent in the presence of God. Living there. We read it. This morning, Psalm 118, 24. This is a day that God has made. For those who dwell in his presence when they wake up any morning on this earth, the words that come out of their mouths is this. This is a day God has made. If it's the most saddest day, the most terrible day they've ever had on this earth, they wake up with tears in their eyes, but out of that mouth comes these words. This is the day God has made. He's with me. If it's the most joyous day they will ever have on this earth till they get to heaven, they wake up that morning and they say, this is the day that God has made. I'll rejoice in it. And the 98% of our days between the high mountains and the low valleys, 98% of our boring, ordinary days, that person wakes up and says, this is the day that God has made has made. They dwell in his presence. They dwell in his presence. Her name was Lynn Vinicky. Her son died some 16, 17 years ago. She since has joined him in heaven. When her son died at age 19 in a car accident, I kept close tabs on her for a long time. Once a month I'd call her, stop by, see how she was doing. And then one day she said, Pastor, you don't need to come anymore. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. 
It was 18 months after her son died. She came into my office, sat down, and she said, Pastor, I should be over this by now, don't you think? 18 months since my son died. I should be over this, don't you think? And I said to Lynn, you'll never be over it till you get to heaven. And she said, you're right. She said, after 18 months of trying to clear my mind of the fact that my son is, is gone, I finally realized I never will, just like you said. So you know what, Pastor? Frank is my backpack. That's how she described it. She said, Frank is my backpack. I put him on every morning. He goes with me on the commuter train. He goes with me to work. He goes with me when I work out. He's sitting there with me as I'm watching television. Uh, He's my backpack. Uh, He goes with me continually. And I said, Lynn, well, should it be? Well, should it be? And when Connie and I were in the same situation as she was, some two and a half years later, could not help but think about her comment. Uh, He's my backpack. Goes with me everywhere. Why do I bring it up? Because that's what Jesus should be. That's what Jesus should be. He should be your backpack. You put him on in the morning and you take him with you. Wherever you go, if you're heading to Northwestern Hospital for a chemo treatment, he's your backpack. If you're a senior there at Oak Forest High School, he's your backpack. We have 35 children, students, young adults being confirmed this afternoon. I'm going to say to them, you're already nervous about where you're going to go to high school next year. I don't care which high school, you're already nervous. And if you're getting ready to go to college, you're already nervous. He's your backpack. Take him with you to Oak Forest, Tinley Park, Sandburg, Chicago Christian, Marian Catholic. Wherever you are, take him with you. He's your backpack. He's your backpack. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God... He that abides in the shadow of the Almighty God, he shall say of him, He is my fortress, he is my strength. Buy a backpack, put Jesus' name on it. It'll remind you every single day where you have pitched your tent. Not in some apartment or house. You have pitched your tent in the presence of Almighty God. May he be with me. Joshua, Rachel, the grandchildren, Connie. May he be with you. I pray every day for those I have just mentioned. And I pray every day the same prayer. Lord, for myself and those that I love, may there never be a moment that they do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. 
And after I prayed for them, I pray for every member of this congregation in totality. I say, be with the members of Trinity Lutheran Church, no matter what is going on in their life. May there never be a moment today they do not realize your presence, your peace, and your strength. Where does Jesus dwell? The same place that you and I should dwell. In the presence of Almighty God. And may his peace be ours. In our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? The only place he ever had Jesus was heaven. Streets of gold, walls of jasper. But that didn't impress you so much. What impressed you was when you were in the pre-incarnate state in heaven. What impressed you so much was the perfect harmony and unity you had with your heavenly father. There was one time when you were so homesick, you said, Father, glorify me with the glory I had before I ever came to this earth. And when you died on that cross, you were literally then in his presence again on that day of ascension. Heavenly Father, we can live in your presence. Martin Luther said on one occasion, I desire above all else to live in the presence of God. That is our desire. May your Holy Spirit help us to pitch our tent in the presence of God himself. For then we shall have the peace that passes all understanding. In our Savior's name, amen.